Brandon, thank you very much. I have a sunburned nose because I spent Thursday out of the sun at Augusta National Master. My friend Harry gave me a badge for the decade. I don't play golf. Um, and so it was fun for me to go just to see the landscape and the people. Uh, Harry knows sports very, very well. That's an understatement. And so we were sitting on the 13th green. That's what you call it. it? Near the 14th tee box. And there'd be groups that were hitting a couple of hundred yards away. He'd say, well, that's B.J. Singh, or that's Fred Cockles, or that's Bubba Watson. He knew what they looked like. I didn't really know what they looked like, so he told me who was who. I was amazed at how the crowd would follow certain golfers after somebody would come by that the stands would empty. They'd follow that golfer on to the next hole. We were sitting there, and the man in front of us punched his wife, and he said, look, it's Condoleezza Rice, and she was walking up the grandstands near us. So I guess they played golf, but I had a lot of fun watching the people that Augusta National on Thursday. I tell you that as we begin for two reasons. Number one, I just wanted you to know I've been to the Masters. <laughs> and number two, watching people and Palm Sunday, can you imagine being in Jerusalem when Jesus came to town? Can you imagine all of the excitement and all of the expectation on that day that we celebrate today? In Indiana, where I've been for the past 15 years this weekend, on Palm Sunday, they've made a big deal about Jesus coming in on a donkey, and they decorate the Family Life Center and booths and straw, and it looks like harbors from Jerusalem in the Midwest. And, uh, the first year we did it, when Jesus came in on a donkey, our son Taylor was Jesus that first year. And uh, nobody in the congregation knew. And so as they were sitting there, as a donkey came up the middle, it was amazing to see the looks on the faces as that occurred. And as I read to you from Luke chapter 19, you think about being in the crowd and watching this and experiencing this day. Beginning in verse 29, Luke 19 tells us this. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter, you'll find tied there a pole that has never been written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, Why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs you. So those who were sent departed found it just as he told them. Why are you untying the pole? They said, The Lord needs it. So then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the coat, they set Jesus on it. And he rode along, and people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds and power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shine. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over Jerusalem. 
saying, if you even you have only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They'll crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they'll not leave within you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Let's pray to God. Father, help us to recognize that time of visitation. Help us to see. Help us in the stillness of our private times to hear the sound of sandaled feet so close to us. Help us to hear and to experience and dare we say even feel some of the things that you felt that week long ago. Father, we thank you. I thank you for each one gathered in this room for this moment. Not only here, but at churches across this great world, celebrating the week ahead. We'll do that every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It was a great festive day, Paul Sunday. The crowd was massive. Some say two million were there in Jerusalem that day. Over two million souls. The day they were, this day they were hoping for the Messiah, the Deliverer, to make some changes. The crowd yelled, Hosanna, Jesus came in on a donkey. It's interesting, military leaders would ride great white horses. Jesus rode in on a donkey, a borrowed at that. But he wasn't a military leader, was he? But he came that day to show them how to live. He didn't come with the intent to take over. He came to die. And so as the crowd yells, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes, what Hosanna means is save us, save us now. They wanted help. They wanted a king. A king to lead a revolution. A king to conquer the Romans. It, it wasn't a spiritual leader that they wanted. It was political, military. Financial. It was selfish. The crowd's enthusiasm, and I'm always struck with the events of this week, the enthusiasm of Palm Sunday <coughs> turned to indifference. And by Friday, it turned to hatred as most in that crowd yelled, crucify him. From Sunday to Friday. You know where Jesus was before Palm Sunday? Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Sitting before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha, of course, served. And Lazarus was one of those at the table with Jesus. Mary, Mary took a, a pound of costly perfume made of nard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them. The house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he feared anything about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept a common purse and he used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. <laughs> She brought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you 
will not always have for me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus. Lazarus had become quite the tourist attraction, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and believing in Jesus. And so the next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Palm Sunday was underway. It's interesting to see Jesus at the home of his dear friends Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Martha served. Lazarus sat at the table. And Mary, Mary did the strangest thing. She took a pound or 12 ounces in their measurement of a very expensive perfume. How expensive? About a year's salary. So take what you're making a year and go buy a little bottle that weighs a pound or 12 ounces. Put it in that bottle. And she comes and she pours it on Jesus' feet. And then she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, foot washing was a common thing to do. But not with spider. Well, maybe a drop on an occasion not 12 ounces, that was on the top. And then Mary did something that was totally unacceptable for a Jewish woman to do. She let down her hair in the presence of men. That was a big number. It was scandalous. But you have learned in your lifetime that love makes you do things you normally wouldn't Love makes you do things that sometimes don't make sense. This is unimaginable. But you've done some unimaginable things. I like looking at guitars and Brandon's got a good one and plays it very well. Have I told you my guitar story yet? It was a Gibson ES347, electric hollow body jazz guitar. Mother of Pearl Inlay, gold hardware, tobacco sunburst finish. Today it would be worth probably over $10,000. I had it in college. And then I met a girl. <laughs> Sitting on the front row right now. In Aberdeen, Mississippi, where I lived and where I was minister of youth, I'm not making this one up, there was a store, Buxton Music and Jewelry. On one side, there was musical instruments. On the other side, there were engagement rings. Nobody had a gun to my hand, and I took that guitar and went to Mr. Buxton and put it on the counter and asked him what kind of a ring he could give me for that didn't. <laughs> Best trade I ever met. But love makes you do things that you normally would not do. And if anybody was trying to talk me out of that, I would not have listened. It was scandalous for me. But love, extravagant devotion, makes you do that.
And Mary loved Jesus with all that she had. So that's why she did what she did. John tells us in the account that Judas was upset. And so now let's go from the unselfish, extravagant love of Mary to the despicable, selfish Judas. Matthew tells us about Judas in chapter 26, beginning in verse 14. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me? What's in it for me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, we are told. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. So here we go from one extreme of Mary to the other extreme of Judas. Judas said, as you read, that that money should have been given to the poor. We know that's not the case. He learned it for himself. He didn't care for the poor. He stole from the money box regularly. You might ask the question, how does a thief get in charge of the money box? <laughs> By being a really good hypocrite. Is how that happens. Here's extravagant hatred. Extreme selfishness. Judas, we suppose, is thinking that Jesus is that military leader that could save him and would take over and was his ticket to the big time. And he followed him out of greed. What's in it for me? Well, Judas loved money and power and prestige and he thought Jesus could be the Messiah that could bring those things to him. And then Judas watched as Jesus washed their feet. Talked about being a servant. Told him that he would die. It's interesting to me that both Judas and Mary saw Jesus on a regular basis. They both had to be there when Lazarus hopped out of the grave. They both saw that. And as a result of what they saw, Mary gave all she had. And Judas took all he could get. And they saw the same thing. How is that? As I read from John chapter 12 and started thinking about Palm Sunday, the crowd that day in Jerusalem was composed of all sorts of people. Some that loved Jesus like Mary, and others who only thought about themselves like Judas, and many in between. And so 2,000 years later, here we are. So who do you identify with? I've got a little bit of both in me. I'm trying to push one away, run towards the other. What have you done with Jesus? It is so fun to regularly see Easter in people's lives all throughout the year. A few weeks ago, watching you feed the Hungry folks at the Methodist Church on Mount Vernon Highway. That's wonderful. Bless you for doing that. The things that I have seen over the years of people letting you know whose side they're on. There are two men here today from Ohio. They don't know each other, but they're both here for the CSX Railroad. And on a weekend in Atlanta, these two young men have chosen to go to church. It's because they love Jesus. And it's obvious. And it is clear. And Andy and Devin should be applauded. And I appreciate that. My friend Gene Hogan 
is retired now, but she taught elementary school at Silver Creek Elementary School in Speed, Indiana for years. She had a foreign exchange student the first week of school that spoke very little English and, well, Jean was trying to get things done and sometimes teachers have been known to give busy work. And so Jean gave the girls a puzzle to put together. Not a simple puzzle, it was a puzzle of the world. So the circle, the, the continents, and the ocean. Should have taken the girl a little while to put the puzzle together. And she thought, good, I'm done with her. She'll do that for the rest of the day, and I can go on and worry about her tomorrow. It wasn't ten minutes when the girl brings back the puzzle and hands it to Jean. And Jean's thinking, oh my, what am I going to do now? How did she? So she asked the girl, how did you do this? She tried to communicate with her. The girl turned the puzzle over. And on the back of the puzzle was a picture of Jesus. And the girl in broken English said, get Jesus right, get the world right. Jean Hope never forgot that. And it is true. And Mary got Jesus right. And it is our privilege to walk around and see people that get it right. And it's our sadness to see people that don't. Let's pray.